Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talks with Cheese. I'm your host, Cheese, aka Adrian. My guest here with me today is Matt Smith. Matt, how are you doing? Good. I'm excited to be here again. How are you? I'm doing good. So, guys, um, Matt Smith was in back in episode 13 talking about the AFC West. Um, once again, if you guys didn't like check in into that episode, he's a good friend of mine from IU. We met through you know my buddy Calvin and Matt. Man, like, how's your senior year going at IU? Um, it's going well. You know, definitely feel old. Uh, almost 22 now in November, so definitely feel old, but um, making the most out of my last year in college for sure. You know, it's cool, like going well. Like you've been balancing out with the fun and like the academics, or how's that going for you? Yep, work hard, play hard. It's been it's been pretty easy. You know, life as a sports media student isn't the hardest coursework in the world, so it's been good. So you're basically just enjoying your last year in school ever before you actually reach the real world, right? Yeah, my last year full of fun. <laughs> Heck yeah, man, full of sun. So, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, purpose of this episode is that you know, we, me and Matt are going to talk about. A week one recap of the NFL since you know football is officially back on. Let's go. And then after that, we're going to talk about our predictions of the AFC North. So, man, I'm just like really happy. You know, football is back. You know, we got football on Thursdays, Fridays. If you watch high school football, uh, Saturdays, Sundays, Monday. How do you feel about that? First of all, man, uh, I mean, I'm just excited. You know, I love college football, I love the NFL. I think that. Um, you know, it's going to be as far as week one, week one was already crazy enough in the NFL. So it's just exciting to have it back. And, you know, I mean, the week two of the college football season was crazy. I mean, A&M went down. Um, Iowa, lost, uh, Iowa lost, Wisconsin lost. So it's and Notre Dame lost. So it's it's already getting crazy. And I'm just getting excited for, you know, the world of sports. It's so unpredictable. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Talking about college football a little bit. I mean, I got a lot of close friends, man. They're like really big Notre Dame fans. And man, has Notre Dame been disappointed, man, huh? I mean, they impressed me against Ohio State. I mean, their defense played super well. They made Stroud look, CJ Stroud, who I think is a top two pick in the draft next year, look completely human. And, you know, he didn't, you know, he wasn't showing as much flash because I thought that offense was going to be completely prolific. And Jackson Smith and Jigman, yeah, he got hurt. um, But that offense didn't look as good as they they were supposed to. And Notre Dame's defense looked well. And then, in comes the thundering herd of Marshall and, you know. Yeah, man. That was like a just a terrible upset, man. Yeah, I mean, they played one, $1. $1.5 million for them to play them and lose. So, I don't know. I think they're going to be fine. I think uh, Marcus Freeman has a handle on it and he's a good recruiter. I think it's just a transition year because there's not much you can do when Brian Kelly, your former head coach, leaves like that. So, you know, I think they'll be fine. I just don't think this year is their year. I agree. And, you know, my Boilermakers blew out Indiana State big time, man, you know. Big time against Indiana State, but you know, wins a win, you know, and then I feel like we're gonna we're heading into some what do you call it momentum going to you know the week three of college football. Yeah, I mean, the Hoosiers, the only undefeated team in Indiana right now. So <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. That's right. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, they keep that streak going, man. But once yeah. you know, once IU and Purdue clash each other in like come November, dude, no good words to say about IU, man. Yep, nah, I feel the same about Purdue. Don't worry. Okay, yep, it's a friendly competition. Yeah, man, <laughs> my thoughts about week one of the NFL is like, man, dude, my first thought that comes into mind is that all the bad teams that you thought, we all thought were going to get blown out, man, they did an impressive job, man. Either one, like, against, like, you know, the fa- like the favorite team, or if not, they, like, you know, kept on. Like, they lost, but not by much. 
Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some of the games that were supposed to be the good ones weren't as good. Um, I mean, but yeah, you're right. The the underdogs prevailed a lot this weekend. I mean, the Texans and the came out of nowhere to tie with your Colts. Um, that was shocking to me. I thought for sure the Colts would blow them out. The Giants, I mean, Brian Dable is the coach I wanted for the Bears. And I mean, he really knows how to use Saquon Barkley in that offense. So I mean, keep an eye out on Saquon Barkley for offensive player of the year. I know it's early. But, like, he knows how to use them, and he knows how to put them in the right spots for that offense, and it's super impressive. And then, I mean, i got to talk about it, the Bears. I mean, I think it was fluky. I mean, I'm not going to get too excited because it was a monsoon in Chicago. Literally, the field was a lake. And Trey Lance's first start in that monsoon is extremely hard. But, I mean, a win's a win, and they're going into the this week against the Packers feeling good about themselves. I mean, I hope they just get back down to work. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of teams who we thought were going to do what blow them out and they just didn't look as good as they were supposed to. Yeah, man. Especially with, uh, Joey B Joe Burrow with the Bengals. He threw what four interceptions, like the most he's threw in the game in his career. What do you think about that? And they lost in overtime against the Steelers, man. Yeah. I mean, there's not much I can think about that. You know, I think they, I mean, I think for one thing, they threw four interceptions and they still, went into overtime with them. I mean, that's, I think it speaks to their defense a little bit. And that's also a big reason why I think they're going to be fine. You know, it's also a Super Bowl hangover. You know, they can, from the highest high in the Super Bowl to losing and then coming back week one, throwing four picks. But they're, I mean, their defense held strong. Now, the Steelers' offense isn't good, but you can't do that again. I mean, it's just, it was shocking. I can't believe. I mean, some of those throws, like, weren't exactly his fault, but there are a lot of mistakes that he made. And I think they're just really going to have to clean it up and go back and have a good week of practice. Yeah, Matt, that's what, like, the, the Bengals get for now, you know, really taking the preseason as serious because, you know, you can definitely tell all those starters were, like, not on the same page, man. Yeah. And then uh, speaking about, you know, Super Bowl, man, the Super Bowl defending champions got, you know, got blown out pretty much by the Bills. And I just knew this was coming, Matt. I knew the Bills were going to step into L.A. and make a statement to – and, send, like, make a statement – to everyone across the league to say, hey, we are legit Super Bowl tenders. Yeah, I mean, the Bills are the best team in the NFL, I think. Personally, they have the most well-rounded offense and defense. And, you know, yeah, Sound looked a little shaky. I mean, two interceptions, but some of those interceptions were just tip balls and not end balls that should have been caught by his wide receivers. But, yeah, I mean, they looked really good, and they were ready to keep get it going. And they're, they're pissed off from that loss to the Chiefs in the playoffs, but, you know, they're ready to keep it going. They looked incredible. Yeah, they blew their team really well in that game, man. It was it was really fun to you know see them see them redeem themselves, and then Matt, um, I was watching a little bit of the Chargers Raiders games after stop showing the Chiefs Cardinals game since since the Cardinals was getting blown out. So man, like towards the last few minutes of the Chargers Raiders game, man, that LA Chargers defense looked great, man. Yeah, I mean Cleo Mack looked young again. He looked really good. And I mean pairing him up next to Joey Bosa, there's kind of hard to find a blocking scheme against that doubling and you know and they still have Sebastian Joseph Day in the middle there so you know that defense is really good and they didn't even have JC Jackson so once JC Jackson gets healthy and comes back I mean that that team's a force to be reckoned with yeah agreed and keep in mind they faced you know a, a tough division opponent division rival of theirs man the Raiders aren't the team to like you know take as a joke man right I mean the Raiders offense is really good and Devontae Adams picked up right where he left off and had a great game and I mean you know, Josh McDaniels put them in the right spots, and they looked really good. Cheese, I got a question for you. 
What's going on? What did you think of the Nathaniel Hackett call at the end of the Monday Night Football game? I mean, if you watch, uh, if you guys watched, you know, the Eli, Eli and Peyton, uh, what do you call it? Talks the Manning, the Manning cast, yeah. The Manning cast, yeah. Sorry, uh, thank you, Matt. We, you saw when Peyton Manning kept saying timeout, timeout. I would agree with Peyton, man. They wasted 30 seconds just to call a timeout. Come on. That's just like, you know, that's just like bad coaching, Matt, with Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I mean, you have a minute left. It's fourth and five, and you opt to go for a 64-yard field goal instead of letting your all-pro quarterback go for the go for the first down. Like, you have to. You cannot, you know? like The fact that you're paying this man, Russell Wilson, $49 million a year to make that to make those types of plays? Come on, please. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You're paying him to make those plays. You're paying him a ton of money to make those plays. You're not going to even give him the chance. And then you have the audacity to take the timeouts after you, they missed a field goal. Come on, dude. They're not happy in Denver. They're definitely not happy in Denver this week. Well, yeah, I did not know what was going on in the minds with the coaching staff. Honestly, I was like, I kept saying out loud because I, I was watching the game by myself. I was like, hey, man, like what? what's going on? What are you guys doing? Yeah, take time out. They wasted so much time. It was just, just really, really bad coaching at the end of that game. I really hope they learned their lesson, man. So I like that question, Matt, a lot. So, Matt, another question for you. So what do you think about the Packers, man? You can tell Aaron Rodgers, like, it's like not in the first, second game of the season, and you can tell he's done, man. Like, his receivers lack experience, man. Like, they weren't getting it open for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to count Aaron Rodgers out. As a lifelong Bears fan, you never do that, no matter how bad they start the season. I mean, last season they lost 38-3 to against the Niners and came back and won the, and and um, had the first seed in the NFC. So I'm never going to count him out. Um, but yeah, his receiving core is not not great, and he's not happy. I'm sure he's not happy in the defense. I mean, that defense was supposed to be really good, and Justin Jefferson ran all over them. Like he has no reason he should have been that wide open. And I don't know why Jair Alexander wasn't shadowing him. I don't understand that decision. But like he over 180 yards and two touchdowns. He was wide open, and I think one that speaks to Justin Jefferson's ability. But two, you got to scheme for that a little bit on the Packers end of the defense, but they are playing the bears on Sunday night football this week. I do think they'll just stomp the bears and kill the bears. And then everyone will like, you know, parade Aaron Rodgers around again because he beat the bears and all this stuff. But you know, the Vikings are the best team in that division. And I very, feel very strongly about that, but I think the Packers will still get a wild card. You know, I mean, he's going to stomp the bears. Everyone's going to hop off the, their bad bandwagon. And we're going to go from there. Yeah. And this is coming from a bears fan. People come on. And um. <laughs> Matt, what's his name? The rookie receiver. Uh, it was like the first half of the game. Aaron Rodgers like three threw to him. He the, he had the ball wide open. He was wide open and literally dropped a wide open pass. Man. Yeah, I'm not sure if I saw that play, but I mean, yeah, his receiving core is just not not at all what it used to be. And Devonte Adams is a huge loss. I mean, he's a top three receiver in the league. It's a really big loss for them. Yeah, man. Do you literally like the ball was like literally in his hands? I forgot his name. I want. Yeah, I literally forgot, but dang, it was like a wide open, like, Larry, if he would have caught, uh, caught that, dude, they would have been, like, tied with uh, Minnesota. Yeah. So, uh, man, talking about the Buccaneers-Cowboys, man, man, it just seems like every couple years, it just seems like every couple years, the Cowboys have, like, bad injuries involving their quarterback, whether it was Tony Romo in the past or Dak Prescott. Yeah, I mean, even before he got injured, Dak Prescott did not look good. I mean, CeeDee Lamb barely got touches. He doesn't have Michael Gallup right now. He doesn't have Amari Cooper anymore. I mean, he just, I mean, he just doesn't didn't look great before the injury. And I mean, the Cowboys. 
I had a decent amount of losses in the offseason, and I don't think they did enough to like build a roster back up. I think that's why the Eagles are such a popular pick to come out of the East is because the Cowboys didn't do a whole lot, and now Dak hurt his thumb and is out four to six weeks at minimum. You know, so they're, you know, I mean, Cowboys fans are going to talk as much crap as they want, but they haven't done anything real since the 90s. So, I mean, that game was, I mean, personally, I think that game was boring, really boring. Um, but yeah, Dak Prescott, I mean, they got to do something because you hit your thumb on a hand or a helmet all the time and, you know, things happen and it's not his fault, but he still didn't look good before that. I agree. And then, Matt, the, they were the only team in the whole league of week one that didn't score a touchdown. This is how yeah. bad their offense was. Yeah, I mean, they didn't look good. I mean, granted, the Buccaneers have a great defense, but, like, they had the same defense as last year, and they could still put up points. I mean, Gallup and Mark Cooper are huge losses for that team. And, I mean, Zeke's getting older. I mean, you still run the ball hard and look somewhat decent, but, like, that team, they got to make some moves. They should have made more moves for wide receiver on the offseason. Like, the Julio Jones signing, that could have been right up their alley for a one-year contract. Julio Jones looked young again in that game and made a ton of plays. He was going around for jet sweeps, and he's 30 years old, like, they could have done that too, and they didn't. So that's on them. Yeah, man. Like the receivers for the Dallas offense, they just didn't know what they were doing. They weren't. Yeah. They look, they weren't comfortable. Yeah, it's not at all. I mean, CD Lamb is going to get doubled, and he's going to be the focus, and he's not going to be able to get as many targets and touches. So it's going to be something for that to figure out. Mm-hmm, big time. And then uh, I want to go back to that Broncos Seahawks game, man. Like after watching that whole game, you can easily tell why Geno Smith won that starting spot. Over uh Paxton Lynch, right? Yeah, uh, over Drew Lock. Over Drew Lock. <laughs> I was, I don't know why, I said the wrong name. But anyways, um, yeah, he just seen he like he did what he was supposed to do. He did all the little things right, in my opinion. And yeah, he looked like he had more confidence as each play he executed well. Yeah, I mean, he came out hot. I mean, the first half he looked incredible. I mean, he was started. I think he started at least he played at least his first eight passes in a row. Start off the game with that 50-yard touchdown pass. I mean, he looked really good. And, I mean, that was a hostile environment for Russell Wilson to come play in. But, yeah, Geno Smith stepped up in the first half a lot. I mean, yeah, down the second half, they were shut out. But he stepped up in the, in the first half, did what they had to do on offense, scored enough points, and just left it to the defense to stop the Broncos twice on the goal line. Yeah, and Russell Wilson got a taste of his own medicine to see how hostile an environment it is being, like, the weight team. Because that stadium was loud, man. Yeah, it seemed super loud. I mean, I don't think the boos were warranted. I mean, he did win them a Super Bowl and then bring them back to the Super Bowl and was one stupid play call away from winning two Super Bowls in a row. So I personally think that, you know, I don't think the boos were warranted. I mean, that offensive, they weren't rebuilding the offensive line. Like, they were going full rebuild mode. So, like, you know, he had to get out of there and want to get out of there after playing for them for 10 years and, you know, I don't think the booze were warranted, but yeah, it's a hostile environment. It's a really loud crowd, and he's, you know, he paid the price on some parts of it. Yeah, some fan bases are just don't have to respect. Like, yeah. uh, even Peyton said in the Manning cast that, uh, and I remember watching that game, but when uh, Manning went back to Lucas Oil Stadium for the first time as a Bronco, like most of the Colts fans just applaud him, gave him like a, a yeah, a moment to cheer for him. They played a tribute video. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. Yeah. So, um, got you got anything else uh, to recap week one before we move on to really talking about more in depth of the AFC North? Uh, I mean, I think one thing just on the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes looked incredible again. I mean, that offense is going to be just fine without Tyreek Hill. I think that I mean, I warranted that the Cardinals aren't the greatest of defenses, but like week one to go five touchdowns, only nine incompletions, 
in your first game without Tyree Kill, they're going to be fine. I think all the worries have been put to bed, and they're going to be fine. I mean, the big game tomorrow against the Chargers, huge game, and honestly, that'll sp- speak to more about what's going on with that offense, but he looked just fine. Man, and the crazy thing was when I was, wa- when I was watching the chiefs Cardinals game, I was thinking about what you said on the last podcast. Cause you were right. You're like, Hey man, uh, I want to, you know, be stressed. This offense is going to be okay with that Tyreek. Cause you have all these other weapons and you were right, man. You were dead on it. Yeah. I mean, it's the bigger test is tomorrow and we'll really see how he's, how good this offense can be, but he can spread the ball out so much. And, you know, Kelsey's still there and, and it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the in the NFL, and they're getting Clyde more into it now. They have this rookie Pacheco who's going to take over now, and um, I mean, they're going to be just fine. Big test tomorrow, and we'll really see. So I wouldn't like fully step off the bandwagon because we'll really see against the top tier defense tomorrow. But they're going to be fine, and they're going to still be the Chiefs that we all know they are. Mm-hmm. It should be a really good one on tomorrow night on Thursday night football. And Matt, speaking about Clyde, man, that was the best I've seen him. Ever in the NFL, he looked like like his like college self, honestly. Yeah, I mean, definitely he. I mean, everyone kind of thought he was gonna be primed for a big year. Um, hopefully, he stays healthy. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're just gonna keep involving him more. I mean, there's no more really, except for Michael Hardman. There's no gonna be no more like jet sweeps and quick passes to Tyreek. So Clyde's the guy. He's gonna get some more screen passes. He's gonna get more handoffs. They're gonna use him in multiple different ways, but. Yeah, he's going to have to split some snaps with McKinnon, and yeah, he's going to split some snaps with Pacheco, but he's the guy in the backfield now with no more trickery around with Jets and stuff to Tyreek. So he's definitely going to have some big numbers and definitely, you know, get back to his college self, like you said. Yeah, he just needs to stay healthy. That's the key. And yeah. uh, Matt, I want to ask you, who do you think will win on tomorrow, Chiefs or Chargers? I think it's a home game for the Chiefs, and the Chargers don't have Keenan Allen. I think that the Chiefs will win closely. Really, really close, high-scoring game. I think that both teams will be pretty high-scoring, and I think that the Chiefs will pull it out because the Chargers are going on a short week without their number one guy in Keenan Allen, and they think that's a huge loss. Yeah, I, yeah, I got Chiefs. I got my money on, my, on the Chiefs. Yeah. So moving on to the AFC North. The teams that are involved in the AFC North is the Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. As as a division as a whole, I always find this I always found this division tough. You should never take them as weak. You should never take them as a joke. And they're always they're always aggressive, man. So what do you have to say about this division as a whole before we talk talk about each team? I mean, this is a division that has some high highs, but it's also gonna have some low lows. I mean, in more ways than football. I mean, the Bengals are coming off being in the Super Bowl. The Steelers lost Ben Roethlisberger. And the whole Deshaun Watson thing with the Browns and the Ravens are coming off a season that they didn't have Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be super competitive like it always is. Super high rivalries. I mean, it's similar to it's just one of the biggest tough nose, tough, like tough football divisions they have. So I think that it's going to be interesting. I do think that there is a clear front runner, two clear front runners, and the other two teams are not going to be as good. But, you know, it's divisional opponents and these teams will always play the divisional opponents tough, as you saw in week one. Well said, yeah. Like, yeah, that game was crazy for the Steelers. I didn't expect the Steelers to, you know, really take the lead the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, what's your projected uh, projected division stand is, man, along with their records? I think the Bengals will win the division. I still think they'll win the division. I think they'll go 11-6. and six. I think the Ravens will go – I think the Ravens will tie them 
will go 10 and 7. And then I think the Browns will go 8 and 9. And I think the Steelers will go 7 and 10. Oh my gosh, man. We basically had almost the same exact like records and stand. Like, yeah, we had the same stands, but we almost had the same records. But yeah. with my Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, not with mine, but with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I have them going 6 and 11. But yeah, we have a similar, yeah, what do you call it? Projected division standings. Yeah. So, Matt, what what makes you think about the Cincinnati Bengals being first place, being repeating division champions and just, yeah. I mean, you can't deny what they did last year. I mean, they have the talent on that team and that offense especially to win the division again. I mean, they their biggest problem over the offseason was the offensive line. They went out and they signed Lael Collins, Ted Karras, and Ted Karras, and they signed tight end Hayden Hurst. So you can't deny the talent on that offense. Joe Mixon is a great running back, and they have a great backup in Samaji Pirine as well. Joe Burrow is a, an incredible quarterback. He's top five, top ten in the league at quarterback. And he, even without an offensive line, he led that team to the Super Bowl and had them in, within a chance of winning, even after getting sacked seven times in the Super Bowl. You know, so you can't deny his talent. You can't deny the talent on the offense and not even to mention that wide receiver core is if it's top three in the league, if not the best wide receiving core in the league. I mean, Jamar Chase is an incredible, incredible wide receiver. You have T Higgins and you have Tyler Boyd. I mean, you can't deny the talent they have on that offense. Now the defense is also really good. I mean, they signed Daxton Hill and Cam Taylor Britt in the off season, and they have Jesse Bates in that backfield as well. So they can't deny that defense is going is good enough to defend them and they've reworked the offensive line. I think the Bengals have a real shot of putting together magic. I think that last week was a really bad week and it was a really low week coming off the Super Bowl in the week one against a divisional opponent. But Joe Burrow in that offense, Joe Burrow in that connection with John R. Chase, I mean, they should have won that game, even though he turned the ball over four times. That's just not something to scoff at. Yeah, I think the turnovers on the Bengals uh, side just really hurt them. If you know if they if they reduce like if they make half those turnovers, I think they win the game. So uh, Matt, um, I want to mention the the Oscar added offensive guard Alex Kappa from the box as well. When you were mentioning about the offseason moves they made, I think you know signing those three linemen really help is really going to help jo- uh, Joey B because dude, you can't get you can't get sacked nine times and expect a win a postseason win every time like they faced when they faced the Titans. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. I mean, I think that offensive line is still growing with each other. It takes time to build chemistry on offensive line. I mean, preseason is preseason, and they probably didn't play that much in the preseason together as a unit. So it definitely takes time to grow and grow chemistry as an offensive line, especially with a quarterback as well on a new team. So, and learn the new scheme. So, I mean, it was week one. It takes time to really grow that offensive line, and I think they're going to be just fine. I don't think it's anything to, you know, go DEFCON 5 on the on the Bengals just yet. Yeah. And then uh, with you know with the off season, they didn't they didn't really lose anyone honestly. They got the majority of their starters back from last season. And with that being said, I expect this whole team to improve on from last year. Keep making steps forward. Besides backwards, Matt. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the AFC is a super super tough conference to be in. But the really defensively, the only big loss they had was Larry Ogunjobi, and I still think that they're going to be. A very strong team, and I think that, you know, I think that hopefully the Super Bowl hangover doesn't happen. I know they lost, but, like, hopefully the Super Bowl hangover doesn't happen. I think they're going to be just fine, and they're probably going back to work this week looking at the film. They're going to make adjustments next week, and they should come out on top. 
Yeah, I think for this Cincinnati team, for them to really go far into the playoffs because they know what's going on. You know, they know what's up. They learned from the mistakes from last year. They got the experience now. I think it's all about the mental side, honestly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, talking about their tough schedule, with them being, you know, what do you call it, being the Super Bowl, they're also going to have a tough schedule because, you know, they have, you know, um, later in the season, once Deshaun Watson comes back from the Browns, they're, it's going to be challenge. The Browns team is going to be more challenging. They have the Ravens twice, the Dolphins, the Saints, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bucks, and the Bills. Those last three teams I mentioned. Whew. Yeah. I mean, playing in the AFC and winning that division, having to play all the division champions is going to be super tough for them. Um, obviously, I think they had the Chiefs at home and they had the Chiefs number last year. So, you know, we'll see what they can do with that. Um, they had definitely had the Chiefs number. So they can they can compete with anyone. It just depends on how they show up each day. And, you know, they didn't really show up to play last Sunday. And it just depends on how they show up to play. They're a good team. I mean, Trey, Trey Hendrickson on the line is a really good pass rusher. And and he has that secondary to back him up with Eli Apple as well. So hopefully that the team, they show up and they go back to work. But I think they're just going to be just fine. You know, obviously you can't win them all. And there are going to be some tough games for them. But I think come November, December, they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, man. It really... Like the November December football really what matters if you yeah. really think about it. And then um Matt speaking about T Higgins, he had a left the lead the game that back in week one due to a concussion. I really hope he's okay because I think T Higgins is a really so really solid uh wide receiver too, man. Yeah, I mean T Higgins is a great wide receiver too. I mean obviously Jamar Chase had another great game last week. Um, but T Higgins is a really viable wide receiver too. Like I said earlier, they have a really really strong wide receiving core. And it's probably the strongest group of the entire team. And T. Higgins is a very talented wide receiver, too. And he's still going to, you know, make a lot of noise. Yeah. And then, uh, Matt, one last question before uh, we move on. What do you, what's your expectations of Joe Mixon, you know? Because he's, uh, he's considered like a top 10 back. But can you see him, like, improving? Can you see him, st- him stepping up when they need him? I can definitely see him improving. You know, he's a really talented running back. And I think he's going to – and has – has the potential to be a top 10 running back in the league and maybe even top five this season. Um, I think as long as he stays healthy, I mean, health has been a concern for him for a long time. Um, and there's not been very many seasons where he stays healthy, but as long as he stays healthy, he has a chance to be a top five running back in this league. And, and I think he can do it as long as, he, you know, with the new offensive line also, he can, you know, he's going to pack up some yards. He's going to make fancy points. And he's going to be just fine. Yeah. And not to mention, he's been in the league for a while. So he does have a lot of experience under his belt. So, Matt, do you have any else to say about the Cincinnati Bengals before we move on to the second-place Baltimore Ravens? Uh, I do not. All right, let's move on. So, Matt, what do you think the Baltimore Ravens are, are in second place to where, you know, if they don't win the division, uh, they have a wild-card spot in the playoffs? Yeah, I definitely think the bank, the sorry Ravens will make a wild-card. I think Lamar Jackson looked pretty good on Sunday against the Jets. I think a big concern for them is their wide-receiving core. I mean, they have Rashad Bateman, but I really don't know who else they have behind him to be completely honest i mean lamar jackson is a great athlete and a great quarterback and i think he doesn't get enough credit for his ability to throw the ball i mean he had some really really nice throws last week i mean i think one down the sideline to duvernay i think that's his name on the sideline and a throw to bateman too in the and late in the second half i mean he had some really really nice throws and i think people underestimate his ability to throw the ball just because he's a prolific runner and is a super athletic guy so i think that lamar jackson and J.K. Dobbins being back as well really helps him. Um, I think that the wide receiver might hinder them a little bit, and I think that their defense is pretty young. 
But I think that they're a really good team, and I do think I would not be shocked whatsoever if they surprised the Bengals and won that division. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, Lamar Jackson really had amazing throws back from week one. And, man, I always feel like the Baltimore Ravens, they always, as long as I can remember, ever since I started watching the NFL, I feel like they always had problems with, like, finding a solid wide receiver group, like, compared to, like, the Bengals, you know? Yeah, I mean, they've never had the strongest one, but it's also never hindered them. But they also lost Marquise Brown this offseason. They traded him away um, to the Cardinals. Hollywood Brown. Yeah, so that was a kind of a big loss to them. While he's not the most talented guy in the world and had some some bad drops, I still think that I still think that they can always improve a wide receiver, and I don't know if they've really done enough to like strengthen that. I mean, they have Rashawn Bateman, they have Devin Duvernay, but you know those aren't big names, and you need some help on wide receiver to help your quarterback. I mean, Mark Andrews is a top three, top two tight end in the league right now, and like that'll help as well. But you know, you just never know. You never really know. Yeah, for sure, especially when you have a seventeen long uh, regular season along with you know the postseason. People are gonna get hurt, and then when things are go, go down, you need you definitely need someone to step up because you can't always rely on the running backs. You can't always rely on Mark Andrews. Right. I mean, Mark Andrews is a super nice safety valve to have up the middle for Lamar, and Lamar's also ability to get out of the pocket will get wide receivers open because as long as they know where to go when he's scrambling, and as long as they have that communication, it's not a crazy amount to worry about. But they don't really have that number one guy on that offense to throw the ball to besides Mark Andrews. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Mark Andrews is definitely a top three uh, tight end. There's no denying that. But, right. man, if for I think in all the teams in the league, when you look at the Ravens, I think the number one factor for them to do good this year is health, man. Like, health. Yeah. Because you had both your RB our, our running backs and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. They were both out for the season last year. That really hurt them. And you also had Lamar Jackson himself. He was hurt half the time last year. So that didn't help. So I think the key for success for them is health, staying healthy. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's health. And, um, I mean, last year they got screwed over at running back. I mean, three of the running backs got hurt in, like, one week. So you're right. It's always, you know, it's a key for every team is health. You know, you know, we can make all these predictions and we can talk about these teams all we want. But if they don't stay healthy, like Dak Prescott, you know, if they don't stay healthy. There's like not much you can do about it. Um, They struggled last year without Lamar Jackson. And, you know, they still were a somewhat competitive team at the end of the year. They still had a chance to make the playoffs at the end of the year, uh, which speaks a lot to the talent on this team. And this defense also, I want to walk back what I said a little bit. It's pretty, pre- a pretty veteran defense. I mean, they have Justin Houston, Patrick Queen and Calais Campbell, Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey. And Marks Peters, I think that this defense is really veteran and it's been around the block a few times. You know, I was thinking young because they have they drafted the safety from Notre Dame and Kyle Hamilton, but it's a really, really experienced defense and they're going to be able to make some noise and, you know, they have the potential to be a top 10 defense in this league. Yeah, man. Well said about their defense. I have nothing to argue. I have nothing to argue with what you said about their defense. I completely agree. Their experience, they should be aggressive. And then, yeah, I really like the fact that they selected safety Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Uh, I liked watching him in college. I thought he was like over the field. He would, you know, he would just dial it in in every game I saw him in. Yeah. I mean, then he dropped to him too. He was a, I think he was for sure a number one pick and a top 10 pick. And he dropped to them at, I think 14 it was. So, I mean, it's a great pickup for them. I thought it was the perfect pick and they didn't even have to trade up or anything to get him. So, I mean, he's going to be playing behind some people to start the season, but 
I mean, injury, if injuries happen, they do have some depth on that position at safety. Yeah, I feel like he eventually later into the season, he will find his groove. I think Lamar has a huge, huge chip on his shoulder since uh, him and Baltimore didn't come to agreement on a, on a contract extension. I feel like he's going to play his ass off to, like, get a bag. And if that even if that means of him not going returning to the team next year. Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good point you brought up. That it's, it's a contract year. I think that can help him, but also will hinder him a little bit, to be honest. I think that he's going to play his butt off, like you said, and really, really go for it to get that money that he probably deserves. I mean, he stepped in one of the division and has the playoff win under his belt. Yeah, he hasn't gone far into the playoffs, but he does have a playoff win under his belt, you know? And he's going to play his, play his ass off. He's going to show off his, that arm strength and that accuracy that he has. But I also think that, you know, with the running part of it, he might not run as much to avoid injury because he's in a contract year. If he gets hurt or something happens, you know, you know, you never want it to happen. You never want to predict it to happen. But God forbid a torn ACL, a uh, hurt, something happens that takes him out the rest of the year. That money isn't going to be there as much as he wants because of injury. So he might let up a little bit on some runs. He might not run as aggressively because he's in a contract year and that could hinder their offense just a little bit. That's a really good point, man. That really is. And uh, I read something on ESPN, uh, like one of those like headlines, key headline things you see on your phone, and one of them said like, "Yeah, Lamar Jackson denies a two hundred fifty dollar, two hundred fifty dollar million uh, contract the Ravens offered." And I can almost guarantee you, um, it wasn't guaranteed. I think the reason why he denied it because like, look at Cleveland Browns, they offered Deshaun Watson, they offered him that when that contract they offered him. It was all guaranteed. And then Lamar's thinking, okay, if he can get this uh, contract with the circumstances going on with him, why can't I easily get this type of contract? Right, yeah. I mean, it's all about guaranteed money in the league now because players get injured, players get hurt. Um, injuries happen more often now. So it's all about the guaranteed money, and that's what, I mean, teams are going to have to, you know, get, start giving their star quarterbacks at this point because it's hard to build a team around someone with all that guaranteed money. For sure. And uh, speaking about contract extensions, the good news about Baltimore is that they extended kicker Justin Tucker to a four-year, $24 million deal with 17.5 guaranteed, man. That's a yeah. lot for a kicker. That is a lot for a kicker, but it's worth it for Justin Tucker. I mean, he's the best kicker in the league. He's the most accurate kicker in the league. And, I mean, you see what he did last year against the Lions, that 66-yard field goal to win the game. I mean, I don't know if anyone else in the league can do that unless they're in Mile High Stadium. Um, in Denver. So, I mean, it was just an incredible kick. He's an incredible, incredible accurate kicker, and I mean, it's worth it. He's the best kicker in the league, and it pays to have a guy like Justin Tucker on your team for sure to win games. I mean, I wish Indy had a kicker like Justin Tucker. I'm sure he did last weekend. Oh, man, that pissed me off so bad. You don't even know. <laughs> but anyways, to add on to Justin Tucker's resume, he has a career field goal conversion rate of 91.1% in his 11-year career. That's really impressive, man. Yeah, I mean, he's a really, really strong kicker. And, I mean, I, kickers don't really get in the Hall of Fame, but he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And then, Matt, what do you think about the Ravens picking up rookie center Tyler Linden, Linderbaum from Iowa with the 25th overall pick? I mean, it never hurts to sure up your offensive line. I mean, I think that that is the second, the third most important, if not, you know, one of the most it's one of the most important position groups in all football. You have to protect the quarterback. You have to be able to create pressure to run the ball and create in your offense. I mean, it never hurts to pick up depth and pick up guys on your offensive line. And, you know, he's starting now and 
and just never hurts. I mean, it's a great pickup. I think he's going to be a really talented guy. I mean, Iowa breeds, breeds farm strong offensive linemen like crazy, much like Wisconsin. So, I mean, it's a great pickup and a great from a great program. And, you know, we'll see how he does in this league and see what the chemistry he's built with Lamar Jackson in the offseason has been. Yeah, for sure. So, um, talking about the tough schedule, they have, you know, once again, uh, the Browns, once Deshaun Watson returns, uh, the Bengals twice, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Bucks, the Saints, and the Broncos. So, a tough schedule, but not as tough as uh, Cincinnati's. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps that they didn't win the division and don't have to play all the division winners. But, you know, it just, they're going to have to play those tough teams that, like you said, and um, Lamar is going to have to, you know, go to work and carry this offense a lot with the wide receivers. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of time for, and hopefully that the, their offensive coordinator can be creative enough that they don't figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson, you know. I mean, they don't figure out – I mean, I don't think anyone really has figured out how to start Lamar Jackson, but with um, as much tape as they have him in the, on him now, they're gonna, the people are going to start having to figure out ways to, you know, control his speed, control his ability to get out of the pocket and scramble. So it just kind of depends on their offensive scheme in those kind of games. Yeah, you know, they – that OC just needs to be creative, especially later in the season when, you know, they keep having more and more tape, like you said, Matt. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, do you have any other takes about the Baltimore Ravens? Um, No, I think we're good to move on. Yeah, I think we touched on the Ravens pretty good. So, moving on to the third place, Cleveland Browns. So, Matt, why do you have the Cleveland Browns not being last place, but not being the best without Deshaun Watson for 13 weeks? To be completely honest, because I trust Jacoby Brissett over Mitch Trubisky. You know, Mitch is a good quarterback. I don't think that he's bad. I just don't think he's anything special. And I think Jacoby Brissett has more a better offense built around him in order to be successful. I mean, he has Amari Cooper. They picked up your guy, David Bell, from Purdue. And, you know, and even they got Cade York, who's a stud in the draft as well. I mean, you saw his game-winning kick. And, you know, they also have a great running back uh, room as well. I mean, Two Nick running Chuck, backs. Yeah. yeah, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and even Dearness Johnson's a great running back. I mean, it's hard not to be that good behind that offensive line who's really, really strong. Um, I just think they're more of a complete team. I mean, they have Miles Garrett on the defense too, but I just think they're a more complete team uh, than the Steelers are. I think the Steelers have way better defense. I think the Steelers are the best team in the league, but I think their offense speaks to more about them. As it speaks to more about them. Yeah, I think Brissett has a really good defense to back him up because, you know, like you said, they have one of the best DNs in Miles Garrett. They signed back Jadavion Clowney, and they yeah. also extended uh, the cornerback Denzel Ward to a five-year, $100.5 million contract, man. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, Grant Delpit is a great safety as well. He's going to make some noise. And also, John Johnson is another safety. I mean, they're a really, really talented team. I mean, we were talking with Baker on the team two, three years ago. It's one of the most complete rosters in football. And not much has changed except at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of controversial in a good way about how they did Banker dirty. Like, I just, I personally think they kind of did him dirty because, like, he was injury. He did have, he was fighting injuries all year last year. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough subject to talk about, especially with bringing in Deshaun Watson after everything that he's done. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, that's what makes it more controversial. I mean, I think also if Deshaun was suspended the whole year, I would probably put them under the Steelers if he was if it was just Kobe the whole entire season. But I do think that with him coming back for six games, they have the ability to win some games at the end of the year. But yeah, like you said, how they treated Baker, I I do see your point, and I do think 
that they treated him a little a little dirty, but at the same time, it's a business. Baker, Baker didn't perform like he showed up. He was number one pick. They had that good of a roster. They provided him with Nick Chubb, a great offensive line, and like pretty pretty good and pretty solid wide receivers. So, and a great defense. I mean, they gave him everything they could, and he couldn't get it done. And it's a business. I mean, he lost his job. I mean, he wasn't performing as well as he should have. And I mean, bringing in Deshaun Watson, who is a better quarterback, and is when he was playing in the Texans before all this controversy happened, was a top five quarterback in the league. So I don't think I think you take I, without all the controversy stuff going on, I think you that's the right move to make for Deshaun Watson. Now bringing him in is a giant question mark because you know why bring in all this controversy on your team at your at the position that's going to get the most focus at quarterback. I don't understand that. I don't understand giving him all this guaranteed money after, especially after everything that happened. But to stay on Baker, I think that, yeah, they did him dirty a little bit, but he wasn't performing with that roster and it was time to move on. Yeah, well said. You know, I won't, yeah, (laughs) don't have anything to say about that because, like, it's true. Like, at the end of the day, even without the controversy involving Deshaun Watson, I think Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Baker. No doubt about that. Right. So, Ben, I want to talk about David Bell. Maybe biased, but I think David Bell has a lot of potential to do good in the league. I love his route running, and I think his yards after the catch is what makes him a great receiver. And it's awesome to know that he will learn a lot from Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper at this point, man, is a veteran. Right. Um. Yeah, but, yeah, to talk about your point more about David Bell, I mean, I mean obviously I didn't watch him at Crazy Mountain College. But, yeah, I mean, he's a super talented wide receiver out of college, and I think it was a great pickup. I mean, I don't think he played too much in week one, um, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, he's got some people to learn under, and, you know, he has all the talent in the world to be a really strong wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. So, Matt, like, let's like uh, I want you to be honest and realistic. Do you think they can really, like, step it up without Sean Watson for 13, for 13 weeks, you know, to really make a playoff spot? Because we mentioned many times on this podcast – that the AFC conference is a gauntlet. You know, I do think they could. I mean, their first four games, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but the first four games are the Jets. I mean, they beat the Panthers, they played the Jets at home, and then the Steelers at home, and then at the Falcons. And those are three extremely, extremely, extremely winnable games, especially even with Joby Brissett on your roster, because Joby Brissett, you know, he's not a bad quarterback. He's a great backup quarterback to have. You know what I mean? So, I mean, those three games are very winnable games. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if they start off three and one, four and oh, I mean, they have that good of a roster and that good of a defense to keep them in this. And that, and as long as they're, you know, you know, running the ball strongly and, you know, putting Jacoby Brissett in good spots with the play calls, you know, I could see them being, you know, four and oh to start the season. Then they get into the gauntlet of the Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, the Dolphins, Bills, Bucks, all in a row. So you can see them being four and six after that. Yeah. The middle, yeah. The middle part is just, Oh my gosh, just scary! And <laughs> so I can see them being four and six, but I can see them starting off the season and starting September super strong. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. No, not at all. But the I feel like the last few games are winnable, like the Commanders and the Steelers, though. Yeah, and then after the Bucks, I think one week, and then hold on one second. They face the Texans after the Bucks. Yeah, and then, and then the Texans game is I think when Deshaun Watson returns. That's how ironic, so... right? How ironic is that? <laughs> uh, something tells me the league did that on purpose with the eleven games. I think the 11 games was because Sean Watson's coming back and they want him to play at the Texans for their TV right purposes. That's just me speculating a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, they come back four and six. And, I mean, 
he could win, you know, six games and come four and seven. You know, if he's playing up to potential, he could win and they could sneak in. I now I highly doubt that, but you know, you never know. He could come back and you know, light a torch under this team and you know, take him pretty far and take him into a playoff spot. You never know. But even if they don't, but they when they do step up and try and win as much games as possible, that's still good. You know, that's still good momentum and heading into next season, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I think this team. I I personally would pick this team depending on what happens next off season. I'm gonna get way far ahead of myself, but you know, they could compete for a top spot in the AFC. Hoping that Sean Watson is back, saying that Sean Watson is back to where he was at. You never know. We haven't seen him play in a year and a half. Or yeah, in a long, long time, we haven't seen him play. But with that offense, with that defense, that offensive line, he sh- and he and he's back to what he was. His team, his team, I don't, could go up face to face with anyone. Yeah, and hopefully once he comes back from his suspension, and hopefully once that's over with, he doesn't have to go through any more offseason issues. You know, hopefully he learns his lesson at this point. Yeah, you would hope he learns his lesson at this point. Um. And hopefully he's, you know, taking these 11 games where he got lucky because it should be a full season. It really should be a full season. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he's taking these 11 games to, you know, better himself as a person. And, I mean, you don't want controversy at the quarterback position, especially in off the field. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this is all over and done with for the, Bron- for the Browns' sake. And hopefully he doesn't pull a uh, Josh Gordon that keeps getting in trouble and trouble and trouble. Yeah, well, I would extremely hope that he doesn't keep repeating what he did. You know, I would really, really hope he does not keep doing what he did. What he did. And if he keeps doing it, then he should be off the ball field in summer in prison, to be completely honest. Browns fans, just keep praying, guys. Yeah. All right. I mean, I have no other takes on the Cleveland Browns. Do you? No, I'm good. All right. Let's talk about this last place Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Ben, uh, not Ben, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, this... The Steelers are like, they're like, they're always iffy, iffy for me every year, every NFL season. I mean, there's sometimes like, you know, they do good, but there's just sometimes they're mediocre most of the time. I mean, it doesn't help them that they lost, you know, their longtime quarterback in Big Ben, but yet they still have their elite coach in Mike Tomlin. What do you have to say about this team? Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. The Steelers are a, a little bit of an unknown at this point. Um, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, though, I mean, their offensive line is really not good. I mean, Najee Harris is already a little bit banged up in the backfield. I'm not sure if he's playing this week. I'm not sure the updates on that injury, but Najee Harris is already banged up. That's not a great. I mean, they have a decent wide receiving core. Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are both very strong receivers, and George Pickens is also a great pick for them. And Pat Fryermuth is also a good tight end, but, like, and Mitch isn't the answer. I mean, Kenny Pickett can study under him for one year. I think by the end of the year, Kenny Pickett will have taken over at quarterback. I do. I don't think Mitch looked that great last week. So the offense is always a big question mark. They did lose, lose Big Ben, and there's going to be a little bit of rebuilding with that. So that's why I have them under the Browns, because the Browns know who they are. They know that they're like one Deshaun Watson away from being a good team. The Steelers really don't know their offensive identity. But on the plus side for them, they have a great defense. I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick is a great safety, not to mention TJ Watt is an absolute stud on the defensive line. I mean, he's really, really good. Alex Highsmith, Miles Jack, and Devin Bush is a great linebacking core. But their defense is going to keep them in games. I definitely think that the defense will keep them in games, especially with Cam Hayward leading that defense. 
but the offense is just too big of a question mark for me to put them above the Browns. It sucks. Uh, TJ Watt is out for six weeks with the twin pack. So the, and the, he's a key piece to their defense. So that's not, that's not going to help them at all. Yeah, not, not at all. Especially in those six weeks. I mean, they played the Patriots, the Browns, the Jets, the Bills and the Bucks in those six weeks. That's a tough, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's definitely a tough schedule to play without him. And I mean, he's the leader of that defense. He's an all pro. He's, set the single season sack record last year. I mean, he's an extremely talented player and I think he's the top five player in this league. And that's a really big loss for them, especially early on in the season while they're trying to figure out their offense. Yeah. Hopefully uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, I feel like he can, you know, be the one to step up to be a leader on that defense to increase the enthusiasm because he had a heck of a game week one. Oh yeah. Mika Fitzpatrick is a really strong safety. I mean, he went, yeah, Jamar Chase lit him up, but I mean, he was, going toe-to-toe with him, and he had some great plays on that defense. I mean, he blocked that extra point – or blocked – yeah, blocked the extra point at the end of the game. Yeah, they had a third-string long snapper in the game. That really didn't help him. But at the same time, like, he made some great plays with that defense, and he's going to need to step up as a leader with, with T.J. Watt off. Yeah, field. he had double-digit tackles, man. Yeah, really, really strong game for him. Yeah, and, Matt, talking about their uh, offensive linemen, they did pick up, you know, offensive guard James Daniels from the Chicago Bears – and then they picked up center Mason Cole for the Minnesota Vikings, but still, those two are, are not like uh, big time pro bowlers. Yeah, I mean James Daniels on the Bears. I mean he wasn't anything special. Um, I mean he was okay. I mean the Bears' offensive line has never been good. And um, I mean like like I said about the Bengals, yeah, it's gonna take time for them to build chemistry. But I just don't think there's enough talent on that offensive line to really protect the quarterback, whoever it's gonna be. I mean if Mitch the rest of the season, great. But, I mean, Najee Harris is already getting a little hurt. It's tough to carry that offense with no uh, no real strong blocking. So, yeah, I mean, those are good pickups, and they're trying to protect the quarterback, but they're going to have to look in the draft next year for someone, I think. Yeah, like, honestly, Matt, I can't see the Steelers getting a playoff spot. I mean, if so, I'd be really surprised because I feel like this team is mediocre at best. But, I, you know, like I said, they have an elite good head coach in Mike Tomlin. That can make any bad situation into a positive. Right. I mean, you can't ever really count them out completely because Mike Tomlin has been on the block a lot. I mean, he won a Super Bowl with this team. He has gotten to the playoffs countless years. Um, so you can't really ever count him out because Mike Tomlin is just a really, really strong head football coach. And, I mean, he knows his players. He's a player's coach guy. I mean, you saw him dancing with him in the locker room after beating the Bengals last week. But, you know, you can't really count him out because that is just I don't think he has the talent on offense to do it. Yeah, for real. I was, like, surprised they even made the playoffs last year. But, yeah, they got blew up by the Chiefs in the first round. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Matt, do you have any t- more takes on the Pittsburgh Steelers or the AFC North in general before uh, we move on? Um, No, I think I think that's good. All right, and do you have any, like, questions for me or, like, uh, anything else you want to uh, say on this podcast before we, move, before we move on to the cheesy question of the day? Go Bears. Shock the world. Win at Lambeau Sunday night. I'll do. I will have. I don't know. I'll do many things the next day if the Bears beat the Packers on their own turf Sunday night football because it hasn't happened in a really long time. But do I think it's gonna happen? No, not at all. I don't think they have a chance. But shock the world. I mean, you never know. Like you know, the Packers offense can choke once again. <laughs> I would love that, but not gonna get my hopes up. I've been hurt too many times. I don't know, man. I mean, that offense looked lost, but hopefully. The Packers, you know, step it up, or Aaron Rodgers at least carries the team on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, according to Aaron Rodgers, he owns the Chicago Bears. 
Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, man, the cheesy question of the day. So today's cheesy question of the day is, let's settle this right now, Matt. What's better? Like, personally, you're, what's personally better for you? Fall or summer? And why? It's a great question. Um, I'm a big fall guy. I like the weather a lot better. I love the, like, leaves changing and, like, I like my favorite is like sweatshirt and shorts weather. That's my favorite kind of weather. And also like Halloween, Thanksgiving, my birthday's in the fall, football's in the fall. I just I stick falls. I I can't nothing beats fall in my eyes. Nice, nice. For me, I I have to go with fall too. I think there's so much like more events that happens during the fall that makes me happy. Like you know, I mean, you got football, you got bonfires, you got MLB playoffs. I mean, especially when the Cubs make it to the playoffs, that's 100 times more fun. That makes fall 100 times better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got RibFest coming up in a few weeks, I hear. Yeah. Uh, no, in a couple of days, actually. Oh, it's this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. Yeah, just more events. I mean, I'm a haunted house guy. I, you know, I got to be excited for haunted houses. You know, Halloween oh, parties yeah. are fun. Yeah, just, yeah. I I mean, I love summer, but fall, fall just more, makes me more happy, I guess. More things to look forward to. When you yeah. agree, man? I agree completely. Oh, yeah. So thank you, Matt, for joining, man. Oh, yeah, of course. Anytime. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, hopefully the Bears win against the Packers. I mean, you never know. It's the NFL. Because, look, you got the Seahawks that beat, you know, the favorite big time in the Broncos. Yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, we'll never know. We'll have to see. I'm, I'm, ready to get, I'm ready to get my hopes up in the first half and then get hurt. But, you know, you never know. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. And before I wrap up, how's your fantasy team doing, man? Because my, um, I won week one because I got just, uh, I had uh, Justin Jefferson on my team. He scored like 39 points, man. <laughs> um, you know, my fantasy teams are a work in progress. Um, I reached on Elijah Mitchell and he got hurt in the first half and now he's out for two months. So that really hurt me. But, you know, time to talk some trades, time to look on the waiver wire, made some moves already today. So, you know, I won in my, I have two pretty important leagues. I won in one and lost the other. And then the other one was a really close loss because Dak Prescott only scored four points. Um, but yeah, um, looking up from now, got to make some moves. Got to. Wait, you, you know, had Dak at your uh, QB1? Yeah. Jeez, man. Not everyone else, not everyone start. else was taken. I guess sorry, but I have I have your boy Matt Ryan starting this week against the Jaguars, so hopefully he's not down. I mean, good QB too, at least to back up Dak. But Matt, I wish you the best of luck with to make those moves that you need to make your fantasy football team better. Thank you once again. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Facebook. Thank you. See ya.